Hi, I'm Sarah Trott, and welcome to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the fourth trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth trimester care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Welcome back to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm Sarah Trott, and I'm here with my co-host, Esther Gallagher. And we are also here with our special guest of the day, who we'll introduce in a moment. I wanted to just remind everyone that you can go to our website, which is fourthtrimesterpodcast.com, and sign up for our newsletter. And you can also go to the site to see some interesting recipes that we have in our recipe section. And you can also sign up to be a sponsor of our podcast through Patreon. So thank you for anyone interested in doing that. Uh, so our guest today is Marianne Esser, and she is a woman who is a recent uh, new mama uh, for the second time. She's living here in the U.S. now, but she hails from Holland, and she is going to chat with us a little bit about the postpartum care experience in the United States versus where she grew up. And then also we're going to talk about nutrition because she has spent her more recent years career-wise working for a company that specializes in uh, making fresh, organic, delicious food for babies, toddlers, and mamas, uh, helping out with this modern or postmodern family unit when they need really good food. And we are so lucky to have her here today. So hi, Marianne. Hello. Hi, Sarah and Esther. Hi, Thank you so much. Hi. Good to hear your voice again, of course. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I I sometimes scout the streets if I see um, Esther on her bike uh, on, on your way to a family in need. Um, thank you so much for having me. A big part of what I've been doing in my life is around caring for people, and um, meaning I was helping people in organizations to uh, connect with the strategy of the organization to to feel comfortable and to align and to collaborate in a, in an effective way. Um, but also in my, my second career, as I would say here in, in San Francisco, it was about caring, um, for the food we would make for little babies and, um, toddlers and recently, um, for the mamas. That's so great. Yeah. Well, Marianne, you've had a little bit of personal experience around that. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your experiences in the uh, immediate and early postpartum periods uh, with each of your boys and yes. um, maybe just talk about what that was like for you personally? And if you have any insights into sort of the larger cultural experience, we'd love to have you share with us. Yeah, uh, I will. Um, I think it's a long, it's a long story. Um, so I think basically postpartum care, um, is a life changing period or like being postpartum is a, is a life changing period. And, um, in, in Holland, they get it. <laughs> they, um, have, um, a, 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 in, in our basic universal health system, um, we, have uh, eight to ten days of care after delivery. 
So that means that a maternity nurse will come in for a couple of hours, depending on your needs, but, but um, definitely for, for eight days, you can count on them coming in um, and, and um, help you heal, help you get started. Mm-hmm. They, they don't only focus on, um, on the baby and, and all kinds of things that you need to know around the baby, like bathing a baby or um, what, for, what for clothes, how to keep the baby warm, but they also really make it, make it an effort um, to take care of mom, to make sure that she regains strength and to um, make sure that she rests her body. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and you can do that all in your own home. So somebody comes to your house to help you start your your new life with your baby um, in your own home. You you do go to a pediatrician with your baby, mm-hmm. um, but that's basically the only thing um, you need to do for baby. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So you need to go to a pediatrician. Uh, they don't do a house visit unless mom's not able. Um, mm-hmm. Well, but then dad can go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, yeah. No. Um, and then also um, this maternity nurse, we call it a kram verzorger. Um, um, you can also ask them to do household chores and to take care of um, another child if they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just basically there, I think, invaluable for those first days um, because it's all, especially if it's your firstborn, it's all new. And then, well, with the second, you still have questions and you, you forgot from um, from the experience from the first time, you forgot a lot of a lot of things. And um, maybe if breast breastfeeding didn't go well the first time, um, you need you need somebody that is um, experienced uh, with that for the second time. And yeah, I think it was invaluable for me, especially to have you here, Esther, because I just knew that I needed um, I needed care. I needed somebody that would focus uh, on me. Mm-hmm. Would take care of me. Yeah, those first days are uh, very particular, aren't they? You yeah, know, emo- emotionally, physically, uh, socially, all those things are pretty uh, raw. <laughs> They're pretty raw. I think that's a good. And and although you read a lot of stuff and you've learned a lot of things and you've talked about it with friends and you've shared experiences. Um, and you have the intention to be a super mom second time around. It's um, um, and and to want to do it all by yourself because you feel you feel strong enough to do that because you did it once. It's still it's it's raw and it's um, surprisingly there's a uh, there's more to it than uh, than you think. Mm-hmm. I think Even, the whole, yeah, yeah. No matter how many times you do it, <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. I think that's 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 true. Mm-hmm. Um. um and then to compare it, uh, first time, second time, I think, uh, in Holland, the care system is really, uh, it's really well set up. And if you. Well, and it's for everyone. And it's, it's for, for everyone. Everyone. Yeah. It's for everyone. Yeah. 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 Not just those who could afford to pay a doula. Yeah. No, no. Um, you just, great. it's, it's in your insurance. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in Holland, um, everybody is, um, is insured you know, one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So Marianne, did you grow up always knowing that this is just part of life? 
that you, that when, when women have a baby, someone comes and cares for them. That's just an assumption. And that's something even children are aware of. I'm not sure how much children are aware of it, but it's, it's, I, I, it was in my system. I, um, I have two younger brothers and, um, when I was seven, the youngest was born. So I was a little bit, um, I remember from that phase that we had somebody coming in and help and she actually became a friend of the family. We've, we've seen her for years, um, mm -hmm. while we were growing up when we were young. It's as I was, um, starting this conversation with you, um, I, I mentioned Esther's kind of family. She was the first one to come into our home when we came home with our newborn. And um, in this, in that emotional time um, where a lot of hormones, of course, take over, um, it, it, it makes a special bond between that person that is experienced, um, knows what you need and feels you um, and can give you all the, all the information that you need can answer all your questions but also um, we'll listen to your, your needs. We'll listen to your, um, uh, what you want and what you don't want. And I think um, especially the second time, I really knew what I wanted. Um, and I spoke with um, a few doulas here because um, I knew we would be alone for the first few days. And I uh, also knew I didn't want that. So I interviewed, um, um, I think, three doulas. And Esther came and that felt good. <laughs> And we, yeah, we asked her to come to our home for um, a couple of times and then focus on the things we needed. And uh, that was super helpful, super yeah. helpful. I, I would almost, yeah, I would almost wanted to say that, so the first time around uh, in Holland, um, we did have uh, somebody come in, a nurse, but she was an intern. And since I did not know what I needed, um, she focused mainly on baby and just getting everything in the routine going. Mm -hmm. uh, but in hindsight, like looking back at that um, period, I think I needed more. And um, knowing more that, you. more for me, yes, more for me. Um, delivery was uh, was a tough one first time around. And it. Um, I think I didn't realize I wanted to be like all the American women that just um, are up on their feet within a couple of days. And that's what I thought I would. I, I thought I, I would be up and running in no time. And I think I did, but that made me have a way longer uh, period of recovery. It, it didn't help me. I didn't rest enough. I, um, I think um, I had a slight postpartum depression, even thinking about it now. Makes me wonder if I if I if I still have it, <laughs> um, because it, it makes you, it makes me emotional looking back, and I think mm -hmm. that experience is um, something I definitely learned from and knew I wanted different the second time around, and I, I took way more care and and looked at what kind of care I needed and and organized it, uh, so this period would be more enjoyable as as you want it to be and as how it's supposed to be. Marianne, I um, uh, I want to just briefly speak to, you know, those first few days working with you and, and how deeply emotional it was for you. To, I think in some ways, maybe you were being a little bit triggered, as we say, from your first uh, birth experience or postpartum experience. 
And, you know, you were quite concerned that the breastfeeding would go poorly or that you would heal mm-hmm. poorly naturally because of your first experience, which while it was good enough, mm-hmm. was maybe not as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just remember that you were just very deeply worried and concerned. And, and this is the reason I point to it is not to point to you per se so much as to say that it's very common for me when I'm working with second time moms, often who I, I didn't work with the first time, they didn't know they could find a doula the first time. And so now they're, you know, they got lucky. They found out that there was somebody who would come take care of them. But, um, in any case, uh, my experience with you is very common experience that I have with second time moms who just, um, you know, just so concerned that things go well, um, and are sort of flashing back to the first time when, uh, what they didn't know about how to slow down and how to heal and recover and take their time, um, could hurt them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that mythological American woman who jumps right up and runs a marathon mm-hmm. idea. Um, so maybe you can, um, maybe we can talk together about, uh, some of the things that you and your family found really helpful both times in terms of, you know, how, how to eat, how to sleep, how to, how to just manage healing and recovering. I think for especially for my need, uh, because I, I focused on me since my husband was there to take care of my other son. Mm-hmm. So I focused, I think, in our conversation also on on how you would help me recover and how you would help me and baby and, and, and get started. I think actually that's basically what I asked you to, to help us get a good start. Mm-hmm. I think that was my focus. Um, and then for a big part of that, um, it was, well, I think two big parts. One was food, nutrition, uh, and one was expertise, just talking about situations that um, were going on uh, at that time. Um, they were about our other son um, getting involved in this new family life and, and, and mm-hmm. um, having him, him feel good, but it was also about how my husband could deal with certain situations um, it was about breastfeeding. It was about how um, how I could lay down while breastfeeding, uh, for example, which was um, something I've tried the first time, but um, unsuccessfully. Um, and um, I remember calling you, I think at one point late at night, being mm-hmm. being really, um, really frustrated about um, the, uh, the pain I experienced uh, while breastfeeding. Um, and all the, um, uh, yeah, all that comes with it. Um, but the second, so the, the other part was really focusing on food and nutrition to help my recovery. And one of the things that we, we started with, um, I came home from, eventually it, um, I, uh, had a C-section. Um, uh, my son was pretty big. Uh, so in, in a way I, I felt like I, I couldn't get him out. Uh, but, uh, the first thing you did was, uh, saying that I didn't need the iron pills anymore. Yeah. Cause with the iron pills come the, um, comes the constipation 
and um, you need to take pills for that too. So we started to take those out of um, the uh, routine of taking pills. I, I had some um, medication for pain still because of the C-section. Mm-hmm. And um, we just focused on what kind of foods we could um, we could add to my diet um, in order for me to have a, a good digestion um, and um, to get it up and, and running again like it um, it was running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of um, blood building foods, but with lots and lots of vegetables so that you wouldn't yep. be constipated. Yep. And you made me this um this stew with all kinds of dried fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we call that a compote. Yeah, the compote. Yes, <laughs> uh, and that was I think um, everything you made was delicious. Uh, uh, not only because you're a good cook, but also because I was probably very hungry. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I needed to recover. I just read uh, something about um, uh, one of the because I was looking up some things on. Uh, the the care in Holland and um, there was this one uh, woman that said um, the size of the placenta is almost the size of the wound you leave inside like that's left inside Mm -hmm. which makes it kind of in a perspective so you Mm -hmm. know you have to recover and you have to heal Mm -hmm. and how to heal that's uh, I think basically it's um, a peaceful a peaceful mind getting rest in your mind getting rest in your body and and nourish it feed it Mm -hmm. so it can recover yeah. And, um, yeah, that's what we both focused on. Uh, and one of the things I remember you making me and, and especially telling, um, my mom and yours to do, uh, mm-hmm. is to make me snacks. Yes. Yeah. Snacks so, for midnight, snacks for whatever time during the day, but have some things prepared so I could snack on foods, uh, while I was breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because after all, if you're hungry, you might not even know that you're hungry, but it's going to be awful hard to sleep if your body says, hey, I need some nourishment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Marianne, I like how you just said, um, rest for your mind and rest for your body. And I like that you put it in that order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I would say that I think that we forget that the, both the mind and the body have difficulty resting when we're not nourished. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just compelling that we would go out and hunt and gather if we were hungry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I do think that oftentimes in the first few days of the postpartum period, um, there's so much emphasis on baby and, and literally no emphasis on mom, especially not nutrition wise in the hospital setting. It's not that they don't want you to be well nourished, but they really leave it to you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is, it's a whole process that you have to go through to get the food to your, you know, to your room. And uh, if you don't feel hungry, you're not thinking to tell your, the people around you, Hey, I just need food, <laughs> food, 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 food. Yep. Um, so yeah. So that can be kind of challenging. Um, well, and I think um, um, it's like, if you go to the supermarket hungry, <laughs> you'll you'll end up 
you'll end up with things that you don't need or are maybe not the best choice. Yes. Um, I really think preparing yourself, your freezer, your fridge, um, and also your family or the people that are coming to help or your doula to focus on, um, on foods that you need for your body to recover is something you want to prepare, you want to prepare for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's great when people bring over a giant pot of stew or, you know, a big thing of prepared vegetables, etc. Um, so that's wonderful. And then, as you were pointing to earlier, there are all those little uh, mini meals that moms need uh, for those random breastfeeds throughout the day and night. Yep. Uh, that can really, it can be really handy to have somebody thinking about those and preparing those and getting them within striking distance of where you're going to be breastfeeding. So, yeah. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about the, um, the business of, uh, feeding new families? From my experience with you, the new line um, for our business, the Mama line, actually mm-hmm. was born. Oh. Um, <laughs> Excellent. No, yeah. Um, uh, I remember talking to you and to Kristen um, Kotek, a friend of ours who used to work in the kitchen um, with our business. And she um, uh, she is a nutritionist, uh, mm-hmm. also uh, graduated from Bowman College. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she put together some recipes for us um, with um, ingredients that are nourishing for for mom. Um, not only postpartum, but um, on a regular basis, this is just a good soup. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a, it's a, we call it the mama stew, and um, it has a ton of vegetables. And then we use some fresh herbs and some spices, but also a um a super rich bone broth mm. and i think bone broth is um a really easy way um for a quick and easy way for um for people to recover or to heal bodies uh, mm. to, to heal their body um there's i think lots of um, um positive things uh it improves your gut health um there's lots of um um amino acids in there and um it's and it's tasty yeah 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 it's tasty and it's so it's got that sort of deep foundational nutrition that so much of uh i hate to call it traditional american food because i think we've lost the the deeper tradition of nourishing food in america but we're, we're coming back around to it. Um, yeah. you know, uh, clearly the last decade has turned in the direction of how do we really nourish people? And are we maybe throwing away the best parts of, of the elements of nutrition that we need? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's true bone broths, um, and even just really good vegetable stocks. If somebody's vegetarian, if you know, really um, putting together the elements to draw the minerals, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the vitamins out of 
of the, the vegetables and in a concentrated way and then, and then use that for, for preparing, you know, a vegetarian super stew is so much more nutritious. And these things can be made of, of what we would consider compost. <laughs> You know, all the yeah. ends, <laughs> all the ends of stuff that you would normally think, well, I'm just going to toss that in the compost pile um, because I chopped it off to make something look nice. Um, mm-hmm. All of that can go in, a, in into a, a soup stock pot um, along with bones if you have them, <laughs> of course. Yep. So uh, that's great. Yeah. So we I'm made... so happy that I inspired. Yeah. No, you did approach. Yeah, you did because I, I just, um, I did realize it, but then I experienced it to be so helpful, and I was there. There are more people like me out there, and there are moms out there that just don't have the time to to make um, all these good foods for themselves. And um, uh, why not? Why don't we make it, and then people can buy it from us? Okay. And just full disclosure, um, as the fourth trimester podcast, we don't get sponsorship. We have no affiliation with this company at all. We just Mm -hmm. happen to, to really like the idea and really like what you're doing. It sounds great. I mean, it, as a new mom myself, I mean, it it sounds so convenient to have this stuff delivered. Um, I had a really good experience using a cookbook that recommended, um, different puree mixes. And I, I made a lot of my own food Mm -hmm. and I would spend one afternoon steaming and blitzing fruits and vegetables. And then putting them into silicone ice cube trays and freezing them. And I would end up with months worth of food yeah. that I yep. could just kind of keep as little perfect little ice cube shapes, which are one ounce roughly each. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, at the beginning of the day, I could pop out two or three ice cubes, um, depending on where my baby was and how much she was eating, but you know, have them defrost on the counter and they would be ready and they were fresh. I knew what was in them. Mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah, I had no question about like the quality of the food. I knew it was organic. I made it. Um, but yeah, that's so neat. I mean, if, if anyone doesn't have the time to do that themselves. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe not, not the time, but also maybe not the, the confidence or they don't, um, they don't like to make food. Like somebody, uh, some people think, or uh, really like making food or it's their passion and others uh, sometimes don't. And I actually, I, I, I taught a, uh, making your own baby food class in the past and would that de- would would exactly advise them to do that what you did sarah oh, to, okay. um, to freeze to to plan some time and to freeze some foods for your baby and you don't have to worry about it then all all day or every day um yeah and, and, just- and sometimes even go to our website and, and look or just scout for inspiration on recipes because um what i think may um, makes our baby food uh, kind of different from others is that we use a bone broth and that we use mm-hmm. a spice and that we we have different uh, different flavors on uh, a monthly changing menu. Nice. Um, yeah. Mariana, I was going to uh, just give a shout out to my dad because 39 years ago when I was having my daughter, the, the present he sent me, you know, sort of like the shower present mm-hmm. was a baby food cookbook. Um, and it was all the same idea, you know, using fresh produce, uh, and, uh, and, and other, uh, foods to, to nourish your baby. And by the way, listeners, we're talking about babies who are at least four months old <laughs> when we talk about babies eating food, because of course, um, breast milk is 
really what babies can digest for the first four to six months. And then your baby will start to show you that they're looking for something to eat other than breastfeed, breast milk, um, when they become developmentally ready. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing to have, uh, really nourishing foods. And the other thing that I wanted to say, um, which I love about your, um, your nutrition model, uh, Marianne is, is that you change up the flavors and that there, these, you know, you're not just giving completely bland and un, un, uh, embellished foods to babies because gosh, I, you know, so often I run into people who have really limited their diets, uh, during pregnancy for whatever reason. And then, uh, eat a very limited diet while they're breastfeeding because they, maybe they think that, you know, onions are going to give their baby gas or something, which is in most cases not probably true. Um, and then they have a child, surprise, surprise, whose palate is so limited that they really can't get enough nutrition. So I want to just shout out to the community here. Eat well <laughs> while you're pregnant. Eat those spicy foods that you've always liked. Um, and your baby's getting primed to eat spicy foods if you do so. If you dumb down your, your own diet, not only will you not be getting good nutrition, but your child will be really being programmed to have a limited diet. Um, so barring allergies, true food allergies, you really should be um, uh, as flamboyant as you can. <laughs> Yeah, as adventurous. Yes, adventurous. Yeah, as adventurous <laughs> as you can. I think, um, and I'm I'm not an expert on this, but I've learned that um, uh, flavor development of your baby starts in the womb. Correct. So it's That's it so starts well all there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it starts in the womb, and then while you're breastfeeding, your baby still gets a lot of your of the flavors of the foods that you eat. Mm -hmm. So um, I always uh, try to preach. Um, Eat, eat like the rainbow mm -hmm. also um and i think that's what we try to do in our kitchen too is um we try to focus on uh seasonal uh fruits and veggies also and we um uh, try to scout them and, and get them locally um mm -hmm. which obviously makes it seasonal um because yeah. we yeah um and that's how you get a lot of variety as well yeah speaking of which asparagus one of the best vegetables for humans uh, very nutritious. Those should be, those are in season right now. I saw some peeking out of my garden plot uh, just this past week. Nice. And of course, it's that's in season right now in March. <laughs> yes, of course. In San Francisco. <laughs> Good point, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that rainbow approach, you know, purple cabbage and blueberries and um, cauliflower and broccoli and, uh, you know, uh, those are all coal family vegetables. What are asparagus? Lettuces. Yams. In different colors. Yams. Oh my gosh. Well, we say yams, but really they're sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Different colors of different potatoes. You know, they come in different colors and those different colors mean different nutrients. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sort of perusing the 
the produce section in my mind right now <laughs> and green beans and <laughs> blue beans if they have them and Butternut squash. Butternut squash. Yes. Oh my gosh. Who does that stuff? Apples. Yeah. Carrots. And they're a nice blend together as well. Yes. Yeah. And onions and garlic and ginger and uh, turmeric and marjoram and, you know, all the herb, basil and um, oregano and chives. And there's just so much information out there about doing this. Um, and I know the book that I followed really recommended, you know, like the classic introduce something new for a few days, wait, you know, and make sure that, you know, you don't have certain reactions to different foods. Mm-hmm. And then once you know that the things that you've tried so far are fine, then start the blending, mm-hmm. then start the experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, my baby was in love with avocados from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to mention like beans. I want to throw beans out there. Refried beans are such a hit. They're already bushed up and they're yeah. protein and they're delicious. Yeah. yeah. Um, peas. You just want to probably uh, take care of the salt content because sometimes they can be very salty mm-hmm. if, if they're refried or if they're like uh, star-bought. Um, if you can make your own, that's that's awesome. Yep, yep. Um, so, well, and, and, you know, little bits of very carefully um, checked fish so you don't yep. give your baby any bones. Um, yep. Chicken and chicken livers. Mm-hmm. Um Dark meat, if possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Avoid honey, mm-hmm. right? Avoid honey is what they say because of botulism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for the first year. Basically, uh, you can give your baby anything, I think, except for honey for a whole year, mm-hmm. uh, the whole first year. Because uh, recently they actually changed um, the recommendation for uh, peanuts and peanut butter because mm-hmm. they, they discovered that um, postponing um giving your baby peanuts or peanut butter as well um in 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 the way that they can handle it of course mm-hmm. um but it postponing um exposure uh can actually stimulate um i'm not sure if i'm saying this the right way but it can create the allergy or it oh. can yeah. so exposure to um small amounts is good yeah. yeah, and definitely eat it yourself while you're pregnant and breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, there was a there was a study about uh, vegans in the UK who were relying um, on peanuts and peanut butter as their primary source for protein, and that led to babies having allergies. So it was one of those. They were getting too much and they were building up antigens. Um, and so you can imagine there must be some sweet spot in between, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, you, you, you ought to have some, but it shouldn't be the only thing you eat for protein. <laughs> no. Yeah. But that's true of everything, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's about variety and, and mm-hmm. size. It has the proportions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's circle back around to moms and mom nutrition as well. And I love the idea of, um, it's not something that I make for my, my mamas because, um, the amounts that I would want to make for any, in any given time that I was going to sit down and make them would be huge actually. But things like empanadas and tamales as a little snack that you, (laughs) that you can have and, um, 
you know, I realize not everybody's lucky enough to live in a city like San Francisco where you can get these things uh, just anywhere. Street almost, almost. yeah. yeah. <laughs> in fact, I will just say, I just had two of the most delicious empanadas on my way over here. Oh. <laughs> um, one was mushrooms and one was corn, and they were just delightful. Right. Uh, but th- what a great idea as something to um, put on a snack tray you know, buy a dozen and then, yep. you know, have that, have one or two of those, um, in between meals or in the middle of the night when you're hungry while you're breastfeeding your baby. Yeah. Um, you can stock off on those and you could put them in the freezer and they maybe just right. put them in the toaster um, right. yeah. to, to warm up. Yeah. That's an, that's a quick, um, a quick win almost for a mom to get some nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the, um, uh, the things I was, um, really surprised about is what I used to believe uh, was not true about how you could uh, up your milk supply. I think that is one of the things that a lot of moms worry about Mm -hmm. if you, if you will have enough milk. Um, And um, what I've, what I've learned, and again, I'm not an expert, but what I've learned is that there has been um, no proof or no, there's no um, research that has proven that there is a food that improves or ups milk supply. Yeah. Um, the the, the yeah. only thing I know of is that if you take it out, um, you'll make new milk. If you, uh, mm-hmm. if your baby drinks your milk or if you pump your milk, um, what comes out will be um, replaced. replaced. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, with that in mind, I think one of the important things is for moms to have sort of a, a comfort food which uh, ultimately um, will um, increase relaxation, um, which can encourage milk supply, which can encourage letdown and enhance milk supply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I would I would focus on uh, what we were previously discussing, uh, helping mom feel happy and and peaceful and relaxed in her mind, mm-hmm. and therefore. Um, feel probably also feel more confident about milk supply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in my background, there's a lot of, uh, herbalism approaches to milk and milk supply. And so there are some things that we've traditionally thought that are best to avoid. Mm-hmm. And those are any herbs and, and in particular sage and parsley in large quantities because they're very estrogenic. So they have a hormonal effect and estrogen is antagonistic to prolactin. And so generally we tell moms like, don't go overboard eating sage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And on the other side of that, like eat as much, (laughs) you know, other good things and things that, you know, there, there are lots of herbs that are purported to be kind of relaxing and, and oxytoxin, oxytocin and inviting kinds of, of herbs. Um, again, don't go overboard. It's not like you need them. Um, but you can include them in your food. And a lot of people are big on eating, um, fenugreek because it's a classic Indian herb from, from India, uh, that's purported to increase milk supply. Um, whether or not it does is a very good question. Um, but some people really just like it and like the flavor. 
and it's new and different to them, but they don't realize that they've been eating fenugreek and yellow curry a lot of the time. So, <laughs> you know, if you like curry, just eat curry. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take fenugreek as a medicine necessarily. Well, and it's in that nice mother's milk tea. Right. And I think the ritual of boiling water, mm -hmm. pouring it into your mug, sitting down with your hot tea and relaxing is helpful in and of itself. Exactly. And I think that's lovely. Staying hydrated is really important. Mm -hmm. Some people talk about porridge and oats um, mm -hmm. being an aid to lactation. So, I mean, whether or not it's true, oats mm -hmm. are healthy and that doesn't hurt anything. Right. And so oats are calming. They're yeah. high in, in magnesium and calcium. And so they're calming to the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't help you make more milk, what would, you know, that just seems like a good thing. Um, I know personally that when I ate, I needed to have um, sweeter things on my diet. When mm -hmm. I ate a balance of sweeter things, um, my milk production was higher. Mm -hmm. It's because naturally, I don't know if it's because I have Italian background or what, but I, I'm drawn to more savory foods. But mm -hmm. when I when I had more of a balance and I ate a sweet thing here or there, it helped me. And I don't mean like junk food, sweet food, but yeah. just like, stuffed dates, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or juice. Remember those, Marianne? Yeah, yeah. Delicious. Yes. And so easy, right? Anybody can whip up you know, four stuffed dates for you. If there's some goat cheese or peanut butter or almond butter in the fridge, you can stuff those into a date. Make a yeah, really definitely. Quick, quick snack. No baking involved. Yeah. So um, this is wonderful, Marianne. Thank you so much for coming along today. Is there anything um, you'd like to add before we wrap up for today? Um. No, I think this has been very nice to talk about um, the experience. Um, I think uh, partly in Holland and um, the last uh, couple of years here in, in San Francisco uh, mm -hmm. around my babies and around um, food. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that sums up my, my, my two passions in life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my two. <laughs> I would count babies and food as two of my passions as well. <laughs> oh, well, it was Good. so wonderful to have you on. I hope I get to see you before you uh, return to Holland. We have to meet. We'll yes. have, we have to make a, make a date. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I hope that our listeners can take away, um, you know, one piece of information that came out of this, which stood out for me, which is that it's possible to have care after you have a baby, even if it's not what you experienced. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think growing up in a country where it was second nature to have that support is really wonderful. My hope is that all women uh, eventually feel that getting support that they need right after they have a baby is second nature and that they know that there's help out there and that they feel comfortable asking for it and mm -hmm. seeking out the resources that are available. So thank you so much for sharing your stories. Yeah, one of the places people around you can learn about how to care for you in the postpartum period is this this podcast that Sarah and I have, I think, done such a nice collaboration on. And so um, if you're out there and you wonder about how you could be cared for in the fourth trimester and you don't know that there's doulas in your community, there might not be. Um but maybe there are friends around you who just need a little coaching. This, I think, uh, listening to episodes of our podcast might really help them get ready to help you when your baby arrives. Absolutely. <laughs> well, 
Thanks a lot, everyone. And we will see you next time on the fourth trimester podcast. Don't forget to check out our website. We'll post more recipes. This was a very food heavy uh, episode. So I think we have ideas for more recipes we can post. Um, So check those out and uh, do sign up for our newsletter and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Marianne. You're welcome. Thank you. You can find out more about Esther Gallagher on estergallagher.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone, and I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband Ben, daughter Penelope, and baby girl Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Goodbye for now. Hello again, bicycle man I know you're doing all that you can I wrote the song, simple and true I wrote the song, I'll sing a song for you You got your wheels, you got your gears you ride around town without any fear You got your pedals, you got your brakes You always wear your helmet for safety's sake